I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tom Brady and his Bucks teammates practiced at Berkeley Prep, and we were there. We'll tell you about how that went down. And could there have been a better ending to the last dance? We'll discuss all of that with my former radio partner and longtime columnist, of the Tampa Bay Times, Tom Jones joins us now. Hey, Tommy, uh, you're a busy know, little beaver, man. I've been bouncing around a bit. Been bouncing around a bit since we last discussed uh, some things here. I, you should be on TMZ, man, tracking guys down, paparazzi, <laughs> oh, no. oh, yeah, shooting photos, going. <laughs> that's that's what I aspire to. You're going straight to the TMZ. That's what it's turned into, though, man. And that's I'm I'm giving you a compliment, man. You're the I guy know. to track down Brady. You and well, uh, we found him. My yeah, former uh, my former colleague Joey Knight and Chris right. Urso. Good job, Chris Urso. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. It was uh, it was sort of it was a combination of uh, of that and also you know what what we used to do um, old school journalism right how many how many times Tom those have peeping, you waited those, pe- those peeping Tom days come in help come in helpful right is that what you're talking oh well, we're you, not talking about that right no not, not that not that uh, <laughs> not the peeping Thomas days come on um, you weren't supposed to talk about that that's true uh, sorry, yeah. how we'll you got that out yeah the old days when when it was. When it was stakeouts, remember yeah. stakeouts were the big thing. Like if you needed somebody who was really important on your beat, and and at times for me it was an owner like Hugh Culverhouse for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Um, others, you know, uh, players that some guys maybe that hadn't signed a contract or were holding out, and you, you know you had to go find. Um, somebody in an organization and just wait, right? Usually it was or, airports, right? Like I remember coaching yes, change. Like you, yes. did, was that you or Don Banks, our uh, former and late colleague? Who you're gonna bring up, Jackie Sherrill? Was that Jackie Sherrill? Was that it? <laughs> yeah, that was Don. That it's was a great Don. Story. Tell, you you remember that story it. better than I do. Tell that story because oh, it it's was... so good. So real quickly, um, well maybe not quickly. Hell, we got all night. Uh, <laughs> it's a podcast. We got all I'll the time slow we play want. it. It's a podcast. We can talk as long as we want. So. There was a time when, um, you know, the Bucks the first time, were trying to hire Bill Parcells. And uh, Ray Perkins had been had been fired, and Richard Williamson coached the, coached the last three games. They went like one and two, right? So they wanted to hire Parcells. And I believe uh, uh, that didn't it, didn't it didn't quite work out the way they had anticipated, right? Um, and then... They had to go back into because he left them at the altar. That's when they called the press conference. I think um, it might it might have been after Richard Williamson's year actually because Richard got the job. Uh, and they somewhere in ninety one ninety two they called the press conference and and Hugh Culverhouse got up there and and he uh, and he said, uh, uh, "Well, I'm walking in the facility." And you remember the old boxer or, or the guy Will McDonald that was on NBC with Bob right. Costas and he did, he did the NFL. And he's known for for knocking out Raven Claiborne or something yeah, like that. Yeah, knocked him out. Yeah, 
Greatest, so greatest he, moment in sports writer history. Yeah, he's our, he's our hero forever. He's a hero among sports writers. A, fo- a football player wanted to fight him. He goes, fine, let's go. He just he, dropped him. Bam, <laughs> yeah. down. The old Irishman. But he was a golden so, guy. He was like a golden gloves boxer. So something. Parcells yeah. is coming. This is the first time. This is the this is bef- way before Tony Dungy, right? And he was going right. to replace Tony. And we're walking in a facility after this long, you know, he, and, and Hugh Colbert had been to, you know, to, to Teterboro and met, met Parcells and all this stuff. And he walks in and they called a press conference to introduce Bill Parcells as a coach. And as we're walking into the old one buck place, they got these TVs on. It's NBC, and it's Will McDonough, who was sort of the precursor to the Peter Kings and the Mortensons the and the R.M. and Chef. all that. Yeah, sure she had this would be. So it was Will McDonough, and I sit there with Bob Costas, and I walk in, and I'm expecting, uh, as we all are, a uh, an introduction. And I look up, and Will McDonough's going, "I just talked to Bill Parcells, Bob. He says he's not going to take the Tampa Bay job." He just doesn't feel comfortable. And I just dropped my I dropped my notebook. I dropped everything. I go, what? And so Culverhouse stood up there and he says, Well, I, I, you know, I'm at the altar. I got left at the altar for the record. There's no honeymoon. And that's the way he talked. And and he said, I've got thirty things I signed off on from coaches' cars to uh, salaries and everything. And Bill Parcell said he was gonna be our coach. And he pulled out, you know, so there's this big, long emotion. It's just it's a press conference to announce that the guy ran. He, he was the runaway bride the first time. Right. And so that led to just a series of, of a bunch of just, you know, everybody was coming through there. I think from like Mike Holmgren to, you know, uh, and that's pretty good coaches. And I think about it. Um, I, I don't think Denny Green was interviewed. But anyway, it, Sam Weich came through, obviously, and they wound up hiring him. But at one point, but pre-cell got, phone, you can't call these guys. Nothing, like you have to, you have to either get them no at their text house messages. or you at the office. Agent. Or that's you got to call an agent. You got to call a coach's office. You got to call an SID, and you've got to get them on their phone at home. And you got to get somebody to give you the number to right. call. Right, and it's nothing home. but landlines. Yeah, it's all landlines. And then you know the wife answers at eleven p.m. It's like hello, <laughs> you know, it's like, and so who's that? You know, um, so we get this tip that Jackie Sherrill. Uh, you know, who at that time was coaching at Mississippi State. Right. I think he had um, castrated a bull. I'm not making this up. No, you're in right. In front of his team and got in a lot of trouble for it sure. like the year before. Yeah. So Jackie was a little weird. But recruiting day was starting like the next day, right? And we had heard that Jackie um, had an interview with Hugh Culverhouse and was in Tampa. So we check it out and they go, yeah, you know, he's staying. And, and the Bucks would always put up, whoever came in to interview, they'd always put him at the airport Marriott. So Don and I were covering the Bucks. So Don went over there, and and he had to do the stakeout, right? And he runs into Jackie Sherrill in the hotel, and he goes, "Coach Sherrill, yeah." He goes, "Hi, I'm Don Banks of the St. Petersburg Times." He goes, "Good for you." <laughs> so, and it went down from there. And he's like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "I, I understand you were here to talk to." He goes, "Well." He goes, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm in Tampa because signing day starts tomorrow. We begin our day in Pensacola. So, so what are you doing in Tampa? Well, see, we're going to get on the team plane, and we're going to fly to Pensacola. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody so, goes from Starkville yeah, to Tampa right. and then to Pensacola because so that's how we you do We called it. the AD at, at, at Mississippi State, and we go, um, we just had an interview with Jackie Sherrill. We understand he's interviewing for the Bucks head coaching job. He goes, what? <laughs> we go, yeah, we just talked to him. He's in Tampa. He goes, no, he's not. We said, no, we just literally, the dog's like, no, I, I interviewed Jackie, and he's at the airport Marriott in Tampa. He goes, he's supposed to be in Pensacola. 
He says, well, funny you say that because he said he was going to go to Pensacola tomorrow and begin his recruiting there. And it, and the, and it got like hit the clarion ledge. Like it was all over Mississippi. Like this guy's running out of Mississippi state and ended up not getting the job, obviously. But that was one of the stakeouts. So you do, you would do stakeouts. So well, that reminds was, me real quick, if you don't yes. mind. Like, if we no, jump in there. please. So, so, and you know the guy's name. What is? I can tell this story. I think Don would be okay. You know, our mm-hmm. our good, dear friend Don Banks, who's passed away last summer. Um, but Vinny Petroni was that the guy's name? Mm-hmm. You know the story, right? Vinny Petroni mm-hmm. worked at the mm-hmm. uh, where was he? Newsday or the Daily News or somewhere? In, somewhere I want to say Newark York, or something okay, like that. Newark, maybe yeah. Newark's yeah, Newark Star Legend, maybe. Yeah, so he covered Bill Parcells and and was was tight with Bill Parcells. <laughs> That's a good story too. So yeah, so Don, of course, is I think you you were either on vacation or whatever. So Don was was your backup at the time, and he was responsible for. Hey, you got to keep track of this coaching situation. They're going after which maybe was nonstop, Bill by the way. Right, yeah. right. Every other year, so they're going we're after up to eleven o'clock at night at the Boyne Buck Place. Yeah, right. And you're going after Bill Parcells. So he's in the office one night, and he's and he calls. He needs a number, like he's desperately needs <laughs> a number for Bill Parcells, and he calls Vinny Petroni, who who's from the from the Newark paper, and he yeah. says. Vinny, I, I, you got to give me Bill Parcells' number. Vinny does, <laughs> Vinny does not want to give it to some kid in town because Don was a young kid, but doesn't want to give it to him. Finally, convinces Don convinces, please give me the number to Vinny. He says, "All right, I'm going to give you this number, but don't you dare tell Parcells where you got it. All right, because if I do, if he does, then we're done. I'm dead. I'm dead. Parcells will never talk to me. And Don's like, I assure you, I will. And now, Bill Parcells is a scary guy. Anyway, especially so. back then, because he's a giant Super Bowl coach with exactly. guys like Lawrence Taylor and Harry Carson and stuff. Yeah. So he gets the number, calls. You know, it's like ten o'clock at night. Call, no answer. Mm-hmm. So Don calls every fifteen minutes. Now right. you're getting to the point where it's like it's getting it's getting close to midnight. But he but no one has answered. So he's thinking, well, maybe he was out and he's coming back in. So he's going to make one more call before deadline. And he, you're half, you know, it's one of his calls. He's making it, and he's half expecting like no one's going to answer. It's not going to answer again. Yeah. For the last seven times he's tried it. Right. And all of a sudden, like, he's just sort of half paying attention. And all of a sudden, it's like, hello. And he's like, uh, <laughs> Bill? He's like, yeah. Yeah. Coach Parcells? Yeah. Hey, Coach, this is uh, Don Banks from the uh, St. Petersburg Times. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, uh, I heard you might be interested in a Bucks job. He goes, well, Don, let me tell you. Wait, who gave you this number? And Don, without hesitation, Vinny Petroni gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> from from a thousand miles away, Bill Parcells, Bill Parcells scared to piss out of Don Banks, and he just gave it up like that. And the last thing that Bill Parcells says, "Oh yeah, well, Vinny Petroni's a big fat liar," and he hung up the phone. <laughs> so now Don I, has no story, and he has a mortal enemy now on Vinny Petroni. How do, you, how do you think the Parcells and Vinny Petroni conversation went? <laughs> The next time they were together. Exactly. So anyway, I think like Don, years like later, Don married. has told that story a bunch. So oh, he's told, he tells, and he tells it even funnier than you. Oh yeah. Because, um, yeah, it was, he was, <laughs> God bless him. He was, he had some great ones. And I, I, I remember him like when it happened because he sort of like, he was ashen about it. You know, he was really nervous that he had screwed up both the Parcells angle and then like, Somehow that guy was going to get even with him at the New York Star Leisure, but yeah, that's a funny story. So stakeouts, so that's what we would do. I mean that that was old school journalism, right? Dumb school journalism, and you would um, you would have to. And sometimes it was as simple as you knew, for example, um, the owner was meaning to determine whether to fire a coach or hire a coach, or and you'd go to the law offices or you'd go to wherever their office was, 
and there'd be a bunch of you. There'd be, you know, I remember Linda Hurtado and, you know, different people that are still yeah. around in news would come over and, and we'd all be sitting there. And I mean, for 11 hours, you know, I remember one time this was, uh, you know, Rick Odioso, our good friend who's still around was a one time, um, you know, Buck's PR guy. And <clears throat> it was inevitable that Richard Williamson after three and 13 season was going to get fired. Right. I right. mean, you had Venny and Chandler fighting. You had, you know, Dexter Manley getting suspended. You had guys walking out, not watching film after a game. So it was a train wreck. So we all knew he was fired. But for whatever reason, he met with uh, Richard Williamson. And we sat out there at One Buck Place till about, oh, it had to be like almost 9 o'clock. My editor's getting nervous. He's like, come on, we got a story or not? We're like, I know he's fired. I know he's fired. And they come back, and Odioso hands out, after all day, a one paragraph, not even like one sentence, that says, Mr. Culverhouse met with Bucks coach Richard Williamson. They will resume their talks tomorrow. I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what is this? This is the most non-statement. That's what I got from the owners. Uh, so we got tonight. But for people who don't know, that's a great Rick Odioso invitation. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, uh, so basically what it was is that Richard wanted to tell his coaches, well, that's fine, but how about you tell us too? Yeah, right. And, and he wanted to tell his coaches before they heard it from somewhere else. And so the next morning we were at, we went to the Marriott and met with Richard and he had indeed been fired. And I had the pleasure of telling about four or five Bucks head coaches they were fired, by the way. Yeah, we were talking it about it. the last time I was like on that. your podcast. We were talking yeah. about uh, dealing weird with different coaches. Yeah, and yeah. You, then you had somebody actually, like one asked you, like called Richard Williamson, or no, Ray Perkins called me. Right. Um, yeah, he called, and he rarely called me, rarely. And he called me one day, and he goes, Rick, this is Ray Perkins. I said, hey, coach. He goes, how you doing? Good. He goes, I just got one question. Am I getting fired today? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, Mr. Culverhouse is over to the uh, one book place right now. He goes, that's what I thought. And he hung up. And by the time <laughs> by the time I got there, me and a photographer were there. And we were waiting because nobody else knew Culverhouse was coming. And so in the old one book place, you had to wait out front. Where, right. And the cars would pull around of this trailer park that they had. And, uh, and out comes Ray. And his, his face is red as I've ever seen it. Right, He's just beat red. And he's carrying one box of possessions, you know? It was like, that's all he got, one box of possessions. And he puts it in his Mercedes, lifts the lid up. And we had a photographer. I don't remember who it was at the time. And, and you know, the cameras are just like, you know, just rapid right. fire, right? And Ray can hear it because it's, you know, stone sure. silent. And I'm standing next to the photographer. And he goes, uh, he comes up to me, face is red. He goes, is that your photographer? <laughs> and I go, well, yeah. I go, it is. He goes, you better tell him to get the out of my face and I'm going to kick him and I'm going to put him on his ass. <laughs> I was like, you might want to move away a little bit here. I think we got what we need. Yeah, but <laughs> those were, but stakeouts, they were, I was staking it out, right? And so that's sort of back to the Brady thing. Eh, stakeouts. Stake out Richard Dreyfus jaws. What a good steak. You go to Morton's. Yeah, Chris Mortensen. It's out of court. Chris brings a Chris Mortensen, which brings us to Adam Schefter. According to my sources, we got a story here somewhere. So it goes to the stakeout. So, okay, you follow up on tips, on leads. I mean, I have been probably out the Berkeley Prep a few times in the last uh, couple of weeks, let's say. Um, but this stuff was out there, right, that these guys were doing this. And we knew they had to be thrown someplace, right? So it makes sense, private school and all that. Well, this particular field – 
um, is not visible uh, and really it, it is kind of concealed, basically, or secluded. It's not um, like Plant but, High School, where it's just right. Off, no, you can't. There's no Del main Mary. road, yeah. right? There's no right. like. There's no road. There's no driveway. There's no neighborhood. Like there's no vantage point that's any good, you know. And without you know getting on campus, which was next to impossible. Because if you've been out to Berkeley Prep, and I had not until recently, um, they got a guard gate there. You know, it's 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 a fortress. It's a it's a, like a college campus. Right. Right. Um, and so you know you, you you can't just invite yourself onto the campus. And so anyway, um, uh, we had a, a better than good idea that they, they were going to be there. Uh, and then you know, lo and behold, uh, before seven o'clock, here comes a parade of cars, and not just any now. Granted, the people who go to Berkeley Prep, they've got funds, okay? Sure. So some of the students drive better cars than I have. I was going to say, I, so seeing a Porsche drive through there not may not necessarily, necessarily tip it be off. a player's yeah. car, right? But then when you see a row of, you know, yeah. Teslas and Porsches and, and you know, some Escalades what I what I call player cars, you know sure. what I mean? Like that's that's a player car, you know, like right. that's that could be a player car. And they're kind of all piling in at once and going to the back. You're like, aha. But then it was just a matter of, of uh, you know, trying to find a vantage point, which was really, really hard. But Chris Urso did a great job. And it was, you know, it was a win for us because we were able to – look, no one's laid eyes on Tom Brady that he hasn't, you know, that hasn't been at the Parks and Recreation Department throwing him out somewhere or, you know, the neighbor whose house he walked into inadvertently. I mean, you know, this guy's been on Instagram, right? I mean, he's everywhere on social media. He right. pops up on Zooms, He, you know – playing in this golf tournament this weekend with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson and um, and Peyton Manning. But we have had one conversation with Tom Brady, and that was when he signed. And right. it was uh, on a conference call, one even a Zoom call. So we've, we've had no access to him at all, and yet you know that, you know, it's a difficult time because you have uh, the pandemic, you have the separation uh, orders, and the fact that this guy, of all quarterbacks in the NFL, really needs – to get some chemistry with his receivers. Right. And they need to understand what he's about in general, right? Because everybody says that a guy like this that has played at the level he has, he's extremely demanding. Sort of like the last dance with Michael Jordan, we got to see just how uber competitive this guy is. Right. And for that reason, um, you know, you figured he wasn't just going to sit back and go, well, hey, whenever you guys want to get together as a group, you know, at the facility, when they say go, I'm ready. You know, like, no, right. no, no, no. This dude was going to organize this thing. He was going to be prepared. And, oh, by the way, in addition to it being, you know, probably well concealed if you work out as early as they did, I got to believe there was an element of, yeah, um, you want to throw? Sure. I'll be here at 7 a.m. Right. Think about how early you got to wake up if you're a guy, you know, um, living in South Tampa like he does to get to Berkeley prep by seven, you know? Right, right. You're not just rolling out of bed at 630. So, you know, and these guys are all over Tampa. I mean, they're all over the place. And, you know, you got nine or ten players there. Right. And probably could have had more. But, um, you know, they they were there. They were ready. They ran for two hours. You know, and and he threw the ball. They all three quarterbacks were there, except for the young guy Reed Sennett, they um, who couldn't be, I don't think. But all uh, you know, Ryan Griffin and Blaine Gabbert were there. And so the interesting thing about Brady <clears throat> is he was clearly conducting the practice. I mean, he went to the to the extent to where he would go with Mike Evans, run out to the hash mark, 
show him where to cut, you know, on the stick route or whatever, you know, hitch or whatever they're running. And, and he would, he would sort of pace it off. You know what I mean? That's and, and you know, because he's a precision passer. He's a, right. you know, he's a very much a stickler for, you know, seven yards is seven yards and 12 yards is 12 yards and so on and so forth. So it was interesting to watch him kind of work this work through these situations. And they went a solid two hours, man. And then they spent 25 minutes just talking, just being boys, you know? Yeah, yeah. Talking ball, whatever. It's, you know, Rick, I, I'm trying to think as you're telling this story. And, you know, I, I, I saw the pictures today. I went on, <clears throat> I was working and I saw, went on the website, mm-hmm. saw a tweet, somebody tweeted it. And, and I, and even I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like, it, it, it's almost like spotting Bigfoot or something, you know? It's like, <clears throat> wow. He is. He's a ghost, yeah. Yeah. And it's, and so I'm trying to think has there ever been an athlete? in Tampa Bay that we've anticipated coming or, or watching play as much as Tom Brady. I mean, no, we've had number one draft picks come. Oh, you know, sure. So, like, Jackson, like Evan Longoria, we, you know, yeah, Evan Longoria, Longoria was a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Benny Testaverde. Vinny or mm-hmm. like with the lighting, Vinny LeCavier or Steve. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but those guys were, we were looking at them like potential, like all oh, these guys That's might right. be a big Young deal. Young stars. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And for all we knew, they were going to be bus, you know, yeah, um, but somebody like Tom Brady, like no, there's. Like, I'm trying to think even what's the closest free agent that's ever come to Tampa. Um, who I mean, who, look, he was at the end of his career, but you had guys like Manny Ramirez, you know, right, right. Um, you know, there were some some uh, you know some former really yeah, like the Lightning had like a couple like Denny Savard and Wendell Clark, yeah, and people like Dino Cicerelli, but I yeah. mean, not, that's nothing compared. To, and all due respect to those guys, they were great players. Something. One of them, a couple of them, went to the Hall of Fame, but yeah. but but this is like I said, I, I saw these pictures and even I like stopped for a second, and was like, wow, there's Tom Brady. Like, yeah, here's a photo of Tom Brady in a Bucks yeah. uniform. Like, and that's the thing, colors. no yeah. nobody has seen him wear anything but Patriots colors. No one has photographed him. You know these these uh, the Photoshop does a real good job these days, and the team's been using you know Photoshop jerseys of him in a Bucks jersey, whatnot. Uh, it's better and, than those old Tops baseball cards from like the 1970s. It's like <laughs> traded. Just, the, just the had blank like a hat. Box. Yeah. Just a yeah, black or blue hat with no logo. Right. Dean Chance. That's what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Ron Swoboda traded. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Traded. Um, but, yeah, it was. It, that's sort of all you've seen. And yet, you know, here he was. And the interesting thing about uh, about Brady is that, you know, like the receivers, they're out there. You know, just dying, and it was only it started out seventy seven. I think it ended up at eighty nine. Um, in the two hours were over, but um, you know, at one point Mike Evans takes his shirt off. None of them they don't have hats on. They got no helmets. They're just running right. They're just balling. They're just busting. But Brady, on the other hand, the quarterbacks all wore helmets, but Brady wore a helmet and shoulder pads, and he always does <clears throat> when he throws. It's like he plays. Like this is yeah, what I play right. in. This is what I'm going to throw in. And he was the only one out there like that. And he had the the orange sort of no-contact jersey that the Bucks wear, which is creamsicle colors, but that's sort of coincidence, really. It's not. It has nothing to do with the uniform. or right. It's the same color, but it's not what they would wear. So, you know, um, it was just fun. You know, it was, it was really interesting to see him work um, and, you know, sort of – you know, sort of get to know the guys. And, and all the ones you'd want to be out there were there. I mean, 
you know, O.J. Howard. You know, I was interested to see, like, okay, okay, check. O.J. Howard's there. Cam Brate, you expect. Right. You know, um, Darian Gumbawale, who's like a third down back. Okay, well, that's good. And there, and look, there could have been more. I think we counted nine or ten, <clears throat> you know. I thought maybe Chris Godwin was one. Never got a good shot of him. Couldn't really confirm that. You know what I mean? So he could have been there. A lot of people, where's Godwin? Man, if I'd know, ever played, if I'm, if I'm like Michael Clayton, I'm showing up there. Like, maybe I can get one more year out of this, man. <laughs> That's like, right. Anybody, man. Well, I mean, Ryan Jensen was there. All he did was snap the ball between his legs all day. You know what I mean? Like, it's like shotgun snaps. Like, he ain't running anywhere. But he was there because that's that's his that's that's my quarterback. Right. So you know they were all there, and it was it was just interesting to watch. And look, I didn't realize like I've seen I don't know four thousand football practices in my career. Right. And and I I before this year, Tom, if you asked me, do you ever want to go to another one? I'd have said no, no, I don't need yeah, to. I'm good. I hear you. Yep. You know, football practice is one of those things. Unlike other sports, we go to like I can sit there and watch guys hit in a cage all day. Right. You know, or on the baseball field, or take ground balls. I can watch, I can watch guys shoot baskets all day, warm up, whatever. Right. I, 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 you know, that's, that's even sort of, even hockey. I've been to a million hockey practices. Yeah. And there, there are some drills. Where like, all right, this is interesting to watch. You know, yeah, some football you know, with you. They're like football, very little about football. Uh, unless they're scrimmaging or something like that. You know? Right, but it doesn't really resemble the game. Like, there's no. nothing about it that resembles the game. So, but I'm telling you, I could have stood there four hours today. Sure. You know, uh, you know, on Tuesday because. I, that's how bottled up everything feels. It feels like yeah, I haven't watched anybody compete at anything. So know, everybody live. wants to know, like, how, well, how do you look? Like, not that you're gonna like <laughs> say, oh, he's ready, to, he's ready to win a throw for four thousand yards or something. Yeah, no, nah, he looked he looked old and worn. No, he was, <laughs> he, he should quit. What is he yeah, doing? He's right. embarrassing himself. This is like the worst decision they've ever made. Um, <laughs> Damage you know, goods. This is gonna back for. Oh, this is awful. Let me trample. Stroud tramples goat. Um, no, you know, he looked he had his arm was pretty live. I mean, you know, I it's kind of like you watch guys throw it. Look, he's not you know, he he doesn't have you know, Patrick Mahomes' arm right now. But he threw the ball well. You know, he had a has a live arm. I mean, he he hit some deep shots that were right on the money. He missed some guys, you know. You could see where timing was off. Sure. That's what they're they're working on. And you know, against air, frankly, you shouldn't miss too many. You know what I mean? You should be up in the 90 percentile range um and for the most part he was but you know um it wasn't just him throwing you know you had the other guys jumping in there too with uh uh, with Blaine Gabbert and and even Ryan Griffin although Brady still took most of the reps and um you know the guys it it looked like you would expect in what are we May you know what I mean um with no coaches when when would they have like when would they have done like some sort of OTA if this if this Oh they would have started normal? already. Yeah. yeah, they would have started. Probably what they would have had so far would have been um since this is not Arian's first year, you get an extra mini camp, but they would have had phase one and phase two, I believe, of the off season workouts. Phase one being classroom work and weightlifting and whatnot. Phase two being going out with your position coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, where you can actually um, you know, sort of go through drills and, and sort of plays and things like that. And then by now, they'd have probably started uh, a full-fledged – they'd had a rookie minicamp. And they would have started a full-fledged OTAs, organized team activities, where the whole squad um, would have been essentially, for better lack of a term, doing a walk-through training camp. I mean, the practices are the same. There's no contact, but it's the same, you know, 
seven on seven, nine on seven, 11 on 11, you know, different situations, goal line coming out, all that. And they'd kind of be in that OTA period where you only get, was it 12 or 14 of those? Um, and that would usually run, you know, all the way through the first of June or so where they'd finish up with a veteran mini camp, full squad mini camp, everybody'd be there. And that would be it. And they'd take off until sometime after the 4th of July and come back and go to training camp. Um, but without all that, you know, these guys have been really training virtually. They have strength training with their coaches. They have position meetings virtually. Uh, and now we know that Brady um, and his, you know, and his teammates have been, have been throwing. But it, and, and I want to make, you know, this is – some people took this to mean that this is the first time he's been on the field. I don't know where they got that. It's not the, what was written. But in essence, and, and Cameron Brake gave this up when he talked to Alex Kalorn on Instagram one day. Sort of said, yeah, I've been working out with Tom Brady. Uh, virtually, virtually, of course. Work virtually. Work now. <laughs> um, but th- this has gone on for more than this week, let's say. You know? Yeah. Could it have been two? Yeah. Three? Maybe. You know? And you'd have to go back, and the NFL says, look, as long as they're following what the Florida guidelines are and the NFLPA guidelines, and there's no coaches, which clearly there weren't, they're, they're fine to be together uh, in this group and, and work out. But they can't do it at the facility, right? They can't do it at the facility, and the facilities have been closed until recently. They opened today for non-football personnel, right. although the Bucks aren't ready to come back just yet. And so, you know, that's that's sort of what's going on. And so, it's not it's not a surprise that Brady. That's who he is, right? I mean, that's that's the surprise would be if they didn't do anything. You know, right. you knew he was going to chomp at the bit and find a way. And it just so happened that you know Berkeley Prep was able to help him out. Now. You know, who knows after this, but I know this weekend, for example, he's got the golf tournament with, with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson and uh, Peyton Manning, you know, uh, on right. the east coast of Florida at Tiger's place. But they'll be back at it. I don't know where. <clears throat> Hopefully there won't be a line outside of Berkeley Prep, but <laughs> it's possible, I suppose. Right. Did you get, like, you're talking about his leadership and you're talking about his sort of drive and commitment. You made a comparison a few minutes ago to Jordan, and I see where you're getting at. We watched we watch The Last Dance, and one of the things that came out of that, Rick, was just even Jordan admitted, like, he could be a bully. He was a bit of a, like, you know, a, an expletive, <laughs> whatever expletive you want to put in there. Um, is Brady Styles not quite like that, right? He's not abrasive to the point where he bullies teammates, right, or, or that they're scared of him. Like, guys admitted, like, they were scared of Michael Jordan. That's not quite Brady, is it? No, is it? I, from what I've understood, and I've only talked to a couple of people about Tom, um, is that he's probably one of the more regular guys for a superstar. And make right. no mistake, I mean, this guy is a superstar, right? I mean, six Super Bowl championships, the mo- most of any quarterback, and has been to nine Super Bowls. Think about that. Nine it's Super Bowls remarkable. almost every it's other year of his career. Yeah. But every other year he's played, I mean, he's virtually you know taking his team with Bill Belichick, obviously, to the Super Bowl. But what they say is that, you know, there are certain stages you go through with him as a teammate. And one of the big thrills for players, young and old, is when he quickly addresses you by your name, you know. <laughs> and he knows something. No, seriously, like he knows something about you. Hey, Tom, how's it going? Peeping Tom. You know, Nostra Thomas. Yeah. And you don't think he knows you, and then you're like, oh. Tom Brady knows me, you know, knows right, me right. call me my name. So, but he, um, they say he's, uh, you know, really driven, really driven, um, expects a lot of his, of his teammates, 
but has also got a human side to him. Like his parents, I was talking to Andrea Kramer about this, um, just to drop some names because that's saying, what I I'm do. Pick that name up for you. Yeah, you go ahead. Pick that up. He's a <laughs> Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer, Andrea Kramer, and she she knows the Brady's pretty well. Tom Brady Senior, and Galen, his mom, and he's got two older sisters, I think, two or three, and um, they grew up, you know, in San Mateo, whatever. And she says, "Look, you know, they're the real deal." She says, "No, they're his parents have done an unbelievable job, you know, because." He has a humility about him that I don't think Jordan did, you right. know. I, I and and of course, think about their path, right? I mean, and Tom when he he did this um, address, sort of this commencement speech, you know, a lot of these celebrities are doing these yeah. things about the class of twenty twenty. He did it for high school, and he talked about his journey. He goes, "Look, I was the backup quarterback on my freshman team, and we lost every game. <laughs> so not only did my team suck, I sucked so bad I couldn't even play on that team." And it wasn't until the quarterback decided he was retiring from football and going to play basketball that I got my chance, you know, the next, my last two years. And then he goes to Michigan, which you have to be pretty good to get a job, get a scholarship to Michigan, don't sure. you? Sure. Yeah. And absolutely. he gets a scholarship to Michigan. He's a California kid. And he gets there and he's the seventh guy on the depth chart, seventh on the depth chart, and doesn't play. And when he does finally play, he, the first pass he throws is a pick six, which I never knew. Um, and it was the only score of the game by some team that he got in during garbage time. But, he, you know, he eventually played in his last two years. I mean, he was splitting time with Drew Henson, if you remember that name. Sure. For a while. And then he thinks, you know, I had a pretty good college career. I mean, I thought I, I played really well my last two years. And then I'm thinking I'm going to get drafted, and I'm going to go pretty high, and I'm 199, you know. And then I go to the Patriots, and I'm the fourth-string quarterback, and Drew Bledsoe's a starter. So every step of the way, he was not – the two-time NCAA player of the year, like Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Michael Jordan was cut, you know, the famous story, cut, what, as a sophomore at his high school team or whatever? Yeah, yeah, cut, yeah, and it was, you know, that was, you know, that story has sort of become an urban legend to the point where we overlook some of the real facts, which was he was like five foot nothing at the time, and he grew yeah, from he the grew time he got cut to, yeah, and he came on. But by the time he graduated from college and he was on the, the Olympic team, I mean, back then, Bob Knight, the coach in Indiana who was coaching Team USA said, this guy's a chance to be the best basketball player who's ever lived. And this exactly. is when he was, you know, 20 years old or 21 or whatever. And he was so mad about that that he managed to invite his high school coach to his <laughs> Hall of Fame ceremony just so he could show him up, essentially, for cutting him. In, in, in the, and that's kind of who Michael was. But, he, but Michael Jordan was a superstar. He was sensational. He was scintillating, right? He was a that BTP. guy. Yeah. He's a BTP. Sure. And so – what he did with the Bulls was, you know, unworldly. I mean, some people think that he's, you know, the greatest of all time, and you can debate that with LeBron or Kobe or whatever. But, you know, it was not it, – it's not a surprise or it wasn't unforecasted that he would be a great NBA player. Right. And he turned out to be the great, maybe the greatest NBA player. Tom Brady, no such no such projections. Just, just nobody – and even athletically – if nothing else, you can look at LeBron, you can look at Kobe, you can look at those guys and go, those guys just had something different. You know, like they just, athletically, you could see it. Tom Brady had the worst combine body of any quarterback in the last 20 years, you know? Right. And has never had the strongest arm and has never had great mobility. But all he does is win, 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 no matter what, what, what. And, you know, he has worked himself and changed his body and, and, 
and beaten every projection from a longevity standpoint that any player, much less a quarterback, would do. It, it, it's soon to be age 43. He's going to be 43, know, it's the great. It's the great what if, though, of all time, Rick. I mean, does he become Tom Brady without the 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 Drew Bledsoe injury? Like, if Drew Bledsoe doesn't get wiped out, does he? Maybe not. I mean, how do you feel about this? Does he still like? Does he still find a way? Does he still like? Oh, eventually he was going to get a chance, and then he was going to be Tom Brady. Or well, and does not he only serve that, as a backup? What if he's what if he's not with Bill Belichick? What that's what I'm saying. What like, what if he's a backup to Bledsoe for three more years? And then, like, yeah. next thing you know, he's he's uh, you know, Matt Castle, and he's off to somebody else. Well, I mean, look, becomes. I can say this, and I, I don't think he'd disagree with me, but if Steve Young doesn't go to the 49ers and with Bill Walsh, I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame. Right. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there are certain guys, like, you look at them and say, okay, they would have. They would have been great no matter what. They would have been great no matter what. Like, if Paul McCartney hadn't grown up next door to John Lennon, like, he still becomes Paul, Paul McCartney somehow, right? I don't know. I don't like, know. I saw that movie that they did with uh, <laughs> what was it? The guy wakes up and he realizes no one knows the Beatles. No, no one knows. Yeah, no one knows who the Beatles are. <laughs> but I mean, so I mean, these great what if questions. You would think that talent and cream rises to the top, and if you did all the, but I don't know. Like if that, I don't know. I think he's the Drew product of, of a lot of things. Yeah, does that, I mean, you got to have a chance. You got you. You have to have that break, right? First of all, let, let's just say this. Everybody in the NFL gets their job the same way. Did you know this? Everybody. It's universal. Guy in front of you gets hurt. Yeah. Guy in front of you can't play very well. Like, right. it's universal. Like, there's only there's, that's the only way you it's get It's a great a meritocracy, for sure. Like, yes. And yeah. so, I don't know what that word means, but it sounds really good. <laughs> if, you, well, if you're better than the other guy, you're going to play. Doesn't okay, matter got who, it. who you are. Yeah. Oh, is it like merit. merit. It's all it. on merit, yeah. It sounded really good. And so I think I that, moments. yeah, I think that, uh, I think it's cause you went to pointer and now you're, you're talking. You to I didn't Kirk know that word two like years that. ago. Yeah. Hey, hey, Chuck Todd taught you that or something probably. So <laughs> sleepy, sleepy Chuck Todd, sleepy Chuck Todd <laughs> meet Nostra Thomas. Oh, to be a fly on the wall. Oh. Um, but, uh, where were we? No, the but you're, everybody gets their job, but everybody the gets way, their job yeah. the same way. And so it's really about, okay, when you get that look and football more than any, more than any sport, right? Like it's a rep. Like I've known guys that you thought were cemented in their jobs and they are the most paranoid human beings on the face of the earth. Like they won't get out of there for a rep and right. why that's how they got their job. Right. I mean, the old Wally Pip story, you know, for those of you who are, are way too young to have this passed down oh, to you by legend, because yeah. I don't remember Lou Gehrig. And, you know, uh, I know he was, you know, with the Yankees and, you know, had the streak and all that. But Lou Gehrig basically replaced a starter who was hurt that day named Wally Pip. And what was 2000 it? 2000 games, 2000 games yeah. later, he got replaced himself. So that's that's the old, you know cliche is like you're gonna get wally pipped but in football um you know it's all about that it's all about hey that guy missed a practice and you know what those coaches got to look at the guy behind him and said he's not bad maybe we should give him a few more reps right maybe we should give him a game maybe we should start him you know and that's how it begins and so football players are extremely uh you know provincial when it comes to like you know their territory and, and who's on first team and sure. second team you work your way up and that's I think Brady is is always been that guy that 
once he got in there, he said it. He, you know, when he did his commencement thing, he goes, look, when I took over from Bledsoe, I told myself, I am never giving this job again away. I'm never doing it. No one's taking this from me. And he fought for every rep and every – and it was because he was not handed anything. It was because he was overlooked and not the strongest or the brightest or the fastest and all that. And so he has, you know, found a way um, to just win. And, and, and yeah, I, I don't know that he's Tom Brady without his experiences. I don't right. think any of us are who we are without our experiences. Right, right. You know? We just talked, we started this podcast talking about stakeouts and Don Banks calling Bill Parcells. I guarantee you, Don, who rose to Sports Illustrated, right, and I've watched him do this, he could talk to anybody in football and not yeah. have a moment's hesitation. Right. But that night, with Bill Parcells on the other end of the line, he killed Vinny Ditz. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, look, you're right, though, but he went on to become one of the great writers in the country. Yeah. Because yeah, he was a... He was a product of his experiences, right? Right, exactly. So. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Well, yeah. the the last dance. Just real quick before we yeah. go here, did did you did you watch the last uh, two episodes? Of I, did I, you what, or what did you think of the whole thing overall? Well, I first of all, I was I'm captivated by it because I don't think we've seen. It was a little confusing because they went all over. They, it wasn't just about one season. Right. When, when we started, you said, "Oh, they're not going to do ten episodes on one season." Well, it was really ten episodes on his entire career. But uh, along with that, I think that. Um, look, some of the footage was unbelievable. And the interviews, I thought Jordan um, did at times show a side of himself that was probably well-concealed. And a lot of these things he never talked about. That's what made it so compelling. The gambling, um, the, the White Sox episode. All just those his things. attitude towards teammates and, and his, his drive and his will to win. Like, it wasn't always flattering. Like, he didn't right. come off. As like, I know it's not, I don't think it's completely who he is, but it's as close as we've seen. Obviously. Right. But you know what was weird about it to me? There's a couple of things. One, um, he was mean to the yeah, point of there's driven and then there's just like, yeah, I don't like that guy. You know, like, first of all, everybody in the NBA can play a little, Right. Right. I mean, relative to to the human race, they're all pretty good at what they do. They just they're not all Michael Jordan, clearly, and some of them aren't even you know close to that. But the way you know, sort of the way he took on certain guys, and there was a bully aspect to him that I really didn't expect. Like you know, getting into it with Steve Kerr who was like the smallest guy on the team, you right. know. And I, you know, Steve Kerr can only take so much, and Steve's like, "I'm going to hit you if you do too many right. things to me." Um, and I think he felt bad about that, but like, you know, it was good. Like, you know, that's what those guys do. They drive. They make guys around them better. They 
they have to trust you. You have to earn their trust. You, you know, they set the tone, the work ethic, and they, you know, he told them exactly what they needed to do to win, and he knew. And so, you know, he gets a lot of credit, I suppose, for that. But some of the ways he went about it, I thought it was interesting that, Tom, he was closer to the guys who guarded him, and I don't mean on the floor. Right. The security guys. Security people, yeah. The people that hung around him as if he were a Beatle, because he was, than he was his teammates. Yeah, I found that, I thought interesting that was interesting. As well, yeah. You know what you, I mean? Like the the thing that I would I would say about Jordan as far as being and you're everything you just said is absolutely one hundred percent correct. That's the thing I noticed too. Like he he wasn't universally loved by his teammates until after the fact, which is always the case. If they hadn't won, put a ring on my finger, baby. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. they would feel the way about him that they do now. Yeah. But uh, but you could make the case that. I mean, it's one thing to be a bully towards somebody if they're not as good as you. Like, I, I, that's what I'd have a real problem with. Like, if he's mad that people aren't as good as he is, then I could say, well, you're just being unreasonable. But if it's all about, look, I'm not asking you to do anything that what I'm I not do. doing myself. Right, right. And if it's about commitment and will and working and trying. To be the best you can be. Right. Then I'm a little more forgiving of your attitude, you know. Right. So that's why I think when you looked at the end of the day, he did have respect for guys who weren't nearly as talented as him. Well, everybody on the team wasn't as talented as him. But, I mean, this, you know, the John Paxons and the, and the Steve Kerrs and even the Dennis Rodmans, if he felt like he could trust you and that you were putting in the effort, then, uh, then, then maybe you could understand more of his attitude towards, towards him. You know? Yeah, you had to earn it. I mean, if you, did, if you did stuff to help them win. But, you know, the other part about this thing was that I thought is telling – no mention of his family, really. Oh, true. No, no exploration. And maybe he thought, well, this is off limits. This is my personal life versus my professional life. He clearly had control of this thing, you know, from a oh, production sure. yeah, standpoint. He was part executive producer, yeah. But it seems weird to me that you would do a ten-part series on a guy's career and/or life, and never know the first thing about his life. Yeah, beyond that, beyond that, North Carolina yeah. and his mom and his dad dying and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, there, his his uh, his first marriage. Ended in divorce. I don't. I, you know, I'm not gonna. I, I have no idea how that ended exactly. But um, I mean, and I'm not saying she should have been a big part of it. You right? know what I thought I mean, was weird, though, like I, no, no mention you know. of the kids until like the very end, and they all of a sudden they show up for like 30 yeah. seconds to talk about how much they hated the Utah Jazz. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? Where were <laughs> you? Where have you been for the last nine and a half hours? <laughs> where have you been for nine and a half hours? And what have you done with your life other right. than be Michael yeah, Jordan's, I, you know. Michael Jordan's kids? And I look, I get it. I mean, that's the way. They weren't going to make this film without Jordan's approval. Obviously, Jordan had to sign off on all of it. Yeah. And it does come to a point where, well, we can either have mentioned a <laughs> the wife. The greatest ten-part series ever. Yeah, yeah. Or, or we could just uh, not have anything because he's not going to agree to, to let us talk to his wife. So, but it was, yeah. you know, it was, a, it was a, a part that I would be interested in, you know, just because you would think that not very many people knew him better than mm-hmm. his family. But um, – Overall, though, I thought it was I thought it was fun. It was it came along at the right time. You know what else? And this is just a little bit of a side detour here, Rick. Is you notice how you know who who really took a hit, <laughs> even though his name really wasn't ever never mentioned throughout the whole thing over the last whatever it's been five weeks. LeBron James has taken a hit <laughs> in my mind because people look at this and we realize again how great Jordan was. And all of a sudden, you notice like LeBron James, and I get it. LeBron James is really pushing for the NBA season to return because I think he realizes, look, this is my legacy. Like I have a chance to win an NBA title this year with this team, 
And if mm-hmm. this season goes away, that's a lost year. It's not a year I'm going to get back somewhere else. At the end of his career. Well, I mean, it's like I can't, st- I can't freeze my age. I can't like. No, and he don't. One of my point is, is he don't have that many seasons left. Right. So if he is chasing Jordan, and right. I, you know, he's the only guy out there to, as of this point. I think we could even make a comparison to Jordan. Mm-hmm. This is a, this could be a you know he really needs for this season to come back because you just I think over the last five weeks we've all re- have been reminded just how incredible Michael Jordan. I didn't was. have to be reminded, Tom. You thought LeBron James was better, and I'll just say that that we had an argument for about we three did. days on the show. We did, and, I, and, and you, I, you you vociferously said that LeBron was better. I did, and then I watched the series, and I'm like, eh, I might have been wrong. <laughs> but now ask yourself this: What if they did a ten part series on LeBron James? Would we come away with the same? And I think let you me, could do a ten part. Let series me say on this, and this is going to come out, and I don't know, really, don't know either man. Okay. Right. From where I sit as a spectator, purely, and maybe a journalist a little bit, LeBron James is a better dude than Michael Jordan ever thought of being. Yes. Ever. LeBron James, and I I don't know what Jordan has done, you know, from a charity. I'm sure he's given away millions of dollars, right? Sure. But I just think better teammate uh, gives the ball. Like, late in his career – LeBron James assists way up, way up, sharing the ball all over the place, right? Michael Jordan kept shooting, lower lower percentage every year, assists down, you know? Right. Let me shoot more. Let me have the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Le- James, just the opposite. Um, now you can make a, the argument that both school, of those guys you know? doing they were doing what the best thing What was they had to, to do win. to win. Right. right. That, the only be. thing that mattered was win, and Jordan at the end was like, I'm not giving a ball any, to anybody. <laughs> I'm taking yeah, the shot. I'm, I'm taking the shot, and he made it. He made the last shot, sure. and should have been his last shot. But, but I, but I just think that, like, when you think about LeBron, and sort of, he's made mistakes along the way. But, man, that you know, sending kids to college, and, and again, I don't know how many scholarships Jordan has paid for. Um, maybe more than we'll ever realize. But I just think that it just seems to me that that people like LeBron better, um, teammates well, maybe. Yeah, no, as far as the general public though, I think I think it's the opposite. I think they love Jordan and I'll say this and I and I've said this. Doesn't that depend on how old you are though? Just quickly. Maybe, like, sure. isn't, that, isn't that an age thing? Like sure. I remember Jordan, yeah. you remember Jordan. Mike Evans will has put this on Twitter. LeBron James greatest player I've ever seen. Right. Uh, that's ever that's ever lived. I don't know. No, care. and that's a generational thing. Like when you and yeah. I were growing up. For some people it's Kobe. Right. And when we were young, when we were little kids. We mm-hmm. talked about how great Pete Rose was or Carl Yastrzemski or whatever. Sure. And our dads were like, you have no idea. You never saw Ted Williams play or whatever. You, know, you never saw Mickey Mantle play. Whatever. Jim Brown and Ted Williams Jim Brown. were, were yeah, Jim my Brown. father's greatest I, yeah. of all time Same on with both me. Sports. My dad could not talk more about Jim Brown. And it wasn't even – like you couldn't argue with him. Yeah, it was it's like, like it no, would be stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I think when, when, uh, when we, we look back, obviously, yeah, it's a generational thing. But – I think with with Jordan, and I've said this time and time again, Rick. Like I don't, I support players. I, I'm a complete advocate for for guys who want to speak out or women who who want to speak out politically, socially. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I wrote I wrote a thousand columns. It seems that mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick had every right to kneel. I, I understood what he was doing. Or people who want to stand up, and and, and like LeBron has done. LeBron has really spoken up. He's put mm-hmm. himself out there. Jordan has never done that. But you know what? I don't have a problem with that 
Because if I can't, I can't sit here and say, yes, a player has a right to say whatever he or she wants mm-hmm. and then criticize somebody for not saying something. That's their right too, you know? Yeah, that's so true. I, I have no issue if you don't want to put yourself out there politically for whatever reason. A, you're afraid it's going to affect your, your bank account. Or B, you just don't feel comfortable. Maybe he never felt like, I don't, maybe he felt like, I don't know enough. I mean, there are some athletes who say things like, you probably should have kept your mouth quiet because you don't know what you're talking right. about necessarily. But at the end of the day, like how Jordan and LeBron handled themselves off the court is their business. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not criticizing speaking out or not speaking out. Having said that, I'm sort of agreeing with you when you, when you say, you know, overall, I think LeBron, I'd rather hang out with LeBron. I think, mm-hmm. I think he seems like, a, like you said, a better dude. Not that, Le, not that Jordan's a bad guy, but right. I understand exactly what you're saying, yeah. Although for me, like Jordan uh, had this uh, sort of Beatles-like persona. Like I remember the first time, the Bucks late in the 90s, and Jordan would have been at the end of his career, if not done playing, or maybe he was with the Wizards, I don't remember. But one time, somehow Warren Sapp knew him, the Bucks were hot, he was at a game, and he came walking through the locker room. And that's the one athlete. Well, there's been two. Muhammad Ali was the other one that I couldn't believe uh, when I when I saw him pass by me. Um, a whole room stopped of NFL players, and it just parted like the Red Sea. And at that time, Muhammad Ali was a little bit of a reclusive person, just starting with Parkinson's and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but Jordan was that guy. Like, Jordan could command a room full of, famous football players, you know, where they would just stop and like, there's Michael Jordan, you know? Mm-hmm. So he sort of had that presence and maybe LeBron does for people. And maybe Kobe did, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, they were, they were both unbelievable players and sometimes it's pointless to try to compare them, but I just felt like, you know, and you're right. You can't, you can't blame a guy if he don't want to get involved socially or whatever. Look, it was, it's not show friends, it's show business. And to Michael Jordan, business was important, Right. I he mean, sold a lot of tennis shoes, but to, he sold them. Like, he was, Billions. Like he said, he sold tennis shoes to both sides of the aisle. Everybody right. has feet. Republicans right? buy sh- shoes too, yeah. Yes, they do. And so which side do you want to alienate, you know? So it's interesting. But, yeah, it was a, it was a good um, – it's going to win all the awards. And, and, and I'm trying is, – is there, is there somebody right now, if I said to you, 10-part series, last stamp type epic, who do you want to see? Two. Two people. One, mm-hmm. I, I'd watch a LeBron. I'd watch ten parts on LeBron. I think it's going to happen yeah. from the, you know, from the from high, high school, school days on, to yes. Cleveland, oh, and the decision absolutely. to Miami, then back to yeah, Cleveland absolutely. and L.A. Like absolutely. all that, I'd watch it. And the other one, <laughs> you were, you were uh, peeking through uh, cameras at the guy today. It's Tom it's Brady. Tom Brady, sure. Yes, it's yes. a story, man. I mean, I don't know if it's ten parts. Have you seen Tom versus Time? It's on no, Facebook. No, he produced it. It's really telling, and it's it's a very – if Tom interviewed himself rather than some nebulous voice on the other end of the microphone that was talking to, to you know Michael Jordan, this is what it would look like. And it, it's about one season, you know, but oh, what a season. And, you know, you learn a lot about Tom Brady. It's really well done. So if, if you guys haven't seen it, go on fa- – I think it's Facebook – you can find Tom versus time, by the way, Tom wins. <laughs> and yeah, so, does. yeah, because he's always going to win. That guy's going to, I'm telling you, whatever he's taking, like it's the old, you know, I'll have what, what he's Harry having. Harry and Sally, I'll have yeah. what he's having. I, I, 
TB12 is in my future. I just well, want you to know this, something Tom. on when Instagram see... or Twitter the other day. Or... Yeah, well, it's a magic pill. But, if, but, if, uh, but seriously, I'd take that too. Um, what the hell? People are taking crazier things than that lately, right? So, <laughs> so they claim. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, my point is, is that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do TB12, man. At some point, I'm just going to just say he's winning. I want to do what he's doing. And it's going to hurt me because I don't like avocados at all. <laughs> and um, I'm going to have to learn it. But he's doing something right, right? Yeah. I mean, looks yeah. great. He's 43. 43. I'm not 43. <laughs> it don't look so great. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm amazed. If you're, when you're around this guy, if you ever come around again, frankly, if he's ever around again, and we're not looking at him from afar. Right. Um, just take a look at this guy's face. <laughs> like, oh, I know. I know. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you look so good. It can't just yeah. be all water, can it? No, he's can't, one of those guys it, where I look at like, damn, that's a good looking guy. Does high, <laughs> well, that, but does like just the, like the youth, like, yeah. does hydration mean that much? Because I should just be yeah, it's in just the water, drowning man. myself every it's day. In the water. You know what I mean? Drink the water. I mean, really, if you think about it, have you ever seen an old looking fish? No. They all it's in look the water, about the man. Same age. Yeah. It's in the water. Drink the water. Could never tell how old they are. So, anyway, uh, fun talking to you. What do you got going on at uh, the Pointer Institute? Oh, so uh, much. You even face uh, the nation and uh, what, what the hell Margaret happened? To I'll drop a name. News. I talked to Margaret Brennan, a moderator from Margaret Face the Nation. Margaret Brennan, listen Great. to you. Very, very, uh, very enjoyable conversation with her. Very, very classy. I'll bet. Yeah. So. Always, so, uh, always something new on pointer.org, P-O-Y-N-T-E-R dot yeah. O-R-G. Find out what happened to CBS Evening News with Norah O'Donnell. Yeah, it went off the air the other night for a couple for an episode. So would never good. happen with Walter Cronkite or Dan Rather. I can tell you that <laughs> Dan Rather would have heads heads <laughs> rolling. Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness! It's always fun, uh, Tommy. We'll do it again. Thanks, Sounds buddy. Great. Thanks, Rick. All right, see you. Man, I love talking to that guy. More Tom Jones. That's right. Tomorrow, more fun and hijinks, and we'll talk a little bit about no fans at games. What that would look like. Plus, get your mailbag questions in. We're going to have that for Friday's podcast. You can do that by sending them uh, to our Twitter account, at uh, SportsDayTB. That's at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud. Or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.